2: There he is, wearing a sweet Hershey Bears jersey that they hooked him up with, and he's gonna drop the puck.
0: An icon in this area and you got to wait for the guys so he was ready to drop the puck
3: <laughs> well someone's got to give him the uh exactly the instructions there what he's supposed to do so drops the puck gets the photo off he read the lineup in the locker room before the games you to enjoy it upstairs at the suite level today he's got the bearish number 11
0: jersey on
3: thank you harrisburg native micah parsons for dropping tonight's ceremonial puck and tonight's hometown hero
1: Micah Parsons, not all that excited or or all that informed on how the whole I, puck I, drop works. That was great. I, Walks out and just throws down the puck and I, leaves. I, I love that.
3: I didn't even get to like totally appreciate it there because I had a little wire malfunction here as we were getting ready to start the show. So I was trying to fix that and watch it. And I don't know, in the back room, can we replay the actual part of him throwing the puck out there again? I'd like to see it. Yeah. I mean, we can,
1: hey, we can do well, the play by play. There isn't much of a play here. He just walks out on the carpet that it. They put on the ice right. so you don't bust your ass. And when he gets out to the end, hey, I'm here to drop the puck. So I walk until there's no farther to walk until the carpet is over. And I'm here. I'm here to drop the puck. There you go. I'll drop the puck. Uh, where is everybody? <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. So much better than when Rob Gronkowski spiked the puck. Remember that? So we yes, back. But now I they do. do it again, but even the second time he's like, what do I do with
3: this thing? Just throw it down. Like, okay, thanks. Thanks. Uh, you, you, thanks you for think the that conversation would have gotten down at some point before he walked out like, all right, so exa- what exactly do you want me to do here? I haven't been to too many hockey games. So uh, yeah, now he's going to get it from other players in the NFL. Saquon Barkley, former Penn State teammate, says
1: you're really a fool. The Hershey Bears said thanks for coming last night. Micah Parsons, we're sorry for not explaining how a puck drop works. That one is on us, our bad. I was reminded when I watched that of the great shooter McGavin recently showing up to drop the puck at a Boston Bruins game. That's the guy who plays Shooter McGavin, I don't know his name. I've actually met him before. I have a picture with him day before the Atlanta Super Bowl. Right. I wish I remembered his name, but the guy who plays Shooter McGavin yeah. just pops up randomly and all sorts of other things. Christopher McDonald, they tell me, is his name. Christopher McDonald. Shooter. Sorry, Christopher. It was great meeting you, Shooter, outside that bar or restaurant or whatever it was in Atlanta the day before the Super Bowl. But he was at the Bruins game, which makes sense because Happy Gilmore – the movie in which Shooter McGavin is one of the main characters, always wore that Bruins sweater everywhere he went. So Shooter McGavin, Micah Parsons, everybody's dropping pucks except us, Chris. We're just dropping... Something.
3: Nuggets of something. Nuggets As of knowledge. Nuggets of beautiful or football knowledge. That's what we're gonna do. You're going to drop plenty of draft knowledge on the folks today, Mr. Draft Guy. Here we are two, days away. two days away. Can't wait. Two days away. Two days. One day. One day. Well, you we're know, one you're day right. away. You're right. You're right. One get day, your facts man. straight. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: still waiting for the countdown clock. I've been asking for a countdown clock for years now. So we will always know the days, hours minutes and seconds until the draft begins we must know that we must constantly be aware of how much time is left until the draft arrives it does arrive tomorrow night at 8 p.m eastern and we're going to talk about it a lot over the course of the next couple of days because it is the centerpiece right now at the nfl we've finally arrived we can cut through all the noise and the haze and the crap we're focused on what's going to happen in round one. And the best selling point this year for round one is nobody knows what's going to happen. Not that we ever really know, but at least last year we knew who the first two picks were going to be. We don't even know who the first, the first We knew the first three be, off although... the
3: board were quarterbacks last year. We knew that, you know, right? We knew that. Yeah. We just
1: didn't know who the yeah, third one was. Right. We, we have, I think, seen the cement start to harden. Hopefully, no one draws a line in the cement between now and tomorrow night, as to who the first pick will be. We'll talk about that coming up over the course of the day. But one of the big mysteries every year, one of the quarterbacks going to go. Who's going to get them? Will there be a trade up, a trade down, a stay put, whatever the case may be? Scott Fitterer, the person who ostensibly calls the shot for the Panthers, although David Tepper is the guy who is making his wishes known. And if Fitterer wants to remain gainfully employed by David Tepper, he will listen to what the boss wants. Here's Fitterer. From the Carolina Panthers pre-draft press conference on the possibility of taking a quarterback in round one
2: do you feel any of the guys in this draft are worthy of being selected with that number six pick? Yeah I, I do think there's a talent level on a couple of them this year that can help us, you know whether it's at six, whether it's moving around. Um, if we were if we had to pick one to six, I would feel comfortable uh, with one of them or actually a couple of them at six. You know, I think we've talked about since the season, our, our, we want to stabilize the quarterback position. We need consistent play out of that. And, you know, I sat down with, uh, with Sam yesterday and just kind of, we talked about everything. Like, we need to help him out as well. We need to help him out with the offensive line. Uh, I think we've done a good job, you know, keeping DJ here and, you know, with McCaffrey and surrounding him with the talent where he doesn't feel like he has to make every play. But we do have to protect him. But uh, in our conversation, I said, hey, listen, um, we are going to add to this group, you know through this weekend there's a pretty good chance we could add to this group and um it's open competition you know it's his his spot right now but uh whoever can take this spot and run with it we're gonna do that and so he, he was good with that we're on the same page and uh we know we need to stabilize that position but uh we're looking forward to adding to it
1: that's what fitter had to say you know I had a thought while we were watching that, and I've just sent an email to Brian McCarthy, the NFL spokesman, as to whether or not teams are actually required to conduct these pre-draft press conferences, because I wouldn't want to do one. Why do you want to be in a position where you're potentially tipping your hand about anything, unless it's being used deliberately for misinformation? That's the only thing I would do if I was involved with a team in any way, shape, or form, or in any shape, way, or form, in the management or running of a team, and the fans of all teams out there should be glad that I have no involvement in the operation of your team, I would use the pre-draft press conference, if it's mandatory, as a way to misdirect everyone else. Why Why wouldn't you? You don't want to come out there and tell the truth. Right. Yeah, you know, hey, hey, we're it. looking at a quarterback at number well, six. Hey, we're really looking at a quarterback at number six. Unless Fitter is thinking – Man, maybe I can get somebody to jump us and take a quarterback, so I don't have to. And I'll get te- Tepper off my ass about drafting a quarterback at number six. I, I mean, I agree with you.
3: What, what I want to question you is: you, you just you, we just started a show yesterday talking about a coach that you said dodged this press conference and he didn't like it. So that's where I just go: well, so what do you? He, he yes, I agree. I- he I, did not, I didn't like it. I, I know. Why, though? Because it was him? Or because it just, what was the reason, you know? No. He no, doesn't want to give you the gleam of that, the draft and all that, to, to, the, to that point. I think that's real. I do. I understand what you're saying there. That's. I don't but know. he
1: made his lieutenant, He made his lieutenant, John Lynch, go out and, and, and face the heat, face the music I got without you. him there. I got and you. It's a, it's a unique situation. I'd rather not do him at all. I don't complain yes. that they do them it gives us content what else are we talking about this is good thank you scott fitter for talking yesterday i'm just looking at it from the perspective of no question why do you want to be in a position where two days before the draft you are saying things that cannon will be used against you by the other teams that are drafting we lose sight of this there is a strong competitive element to this you're sitting at six you know who you want you know who you hope will land there You have a preference, surely, by now. Everybody's got their draft board by now. They've got the number one guy they want, number two, number three. Why would they not? We're two days, one day away. You got me messed up now. We're (laughs) one day away from the draft starting. They know who they want. Why do you want to say or do anything that would jeopardize your ability to get the guy you want? So... I prefer to look at it as these guys aren't stupid. right? They're not naive. Right. They're not going to come out there and say what they really think. So let's assume that everything they say has at least a coding of BS to it aimed at getting others off the scent. And then you start wondering what kind of yeah. Jedi mind trick are they doing here? Right. Are they acting like it's not the truth and it really is the truth? Or like you think it's the truth, but no, it's not. But maybe it is. But maybe... I'd just rather not do it. I, I'd, I'd rather spend my time two days before the draft focusing on watching some film, having another meeting, firming up my draft board just a little bit more because I know what's coming Thursday, Friday, and Saturday.
3: Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I mean, again, it is kind of weird. It's one of those things, I guess, what teams feel like they got to do it to kind of just like appeal to the fan base, give them a little clue on, hey, this is what we're thinking as an organization going into the weekend. I, I'm guessing that's why, but you're right. I mean, you, you don't really want to go out there and say anything truthful. In fact, if you do go out there, you're going, okay, what lie or BS can I throw out there that people are going to like buy onto that is actually going to help me? You know, and and that's where you know the quarterback talk there at the start with Scott Fitterer, who I got a lot of respect for. He's done a lot of good things there. But yeah, I don't really buy it with the way he answered that question. Oh yeah, there's there's oh yeah, there's a guy there. Uh, you know, but well, uh, somewhere uh, you know at six or somewhere else or you know we move around. Oh, actually, there's two guys there. Oh oh yeah. Oh wait, you forgot there was the other guy there. I, that's that's to me. That's the posturing of that right there. To where, like to your point, there's some BS. It's a quarterback. In case there's a guy or a team there that's kind of sitting in the weeds. Wait, we like that guy. Ooh, do we have to move up? I do. I think they're playing that game. I don't buy Carolina taking a quarterback at number six at all. I don't. I'm not. I I gotta see it to believe it. I will be shocked and fall off my chair if that happens tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night during the draft. And if
1: they don't want a quarterback at six, see, that's where the strategy comes into it. You use the press conference to your advantage to disseminate a false narrative. Hey, there's a couple quarterbacks we're comfortable with at number six. The hope is somebody who wants one of those guys feels compelled to cut the line. And if they cut the line and take a guy the Panthers don't want, that pushes a guy they do want farther down the board. You always want the people drafting in front of you to take the guys you don't want. That's the best outcome if you can get there. And that may be what he was trying to do yesterday, get somebody to jump them at number six. And now if the Panthers do make that pick at number six, offensive line has become the favorite with three tackles. Yeah getting in front of Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. Pickett's still the favorite to be the quarterback if they go quarterback. Malik Willis is typically favored at every other spot from 1 to 20. Well, not all the way down, not every single spot, but wherever a quarterback's in play, Willis is the favorite except for in Carolina. But yeah, I, I think as we get closer and closer, it sure feels like they're pivoting away From quarterback, that doesn't mean they're not going to get one at some point. It doesn't mean they're not going to trade for Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else. They seem intent. The fact that they have the conversation with Sam Darnold, I assume that part of it's true. That they've said to him, hey, remember what Ben McAdoo said last week? Yeah, no, don't get comfortable. We're going to have competition here. You're not going to be anointed. You're not going to be handed anything. And I think Sam Darnold's smart enough to know
3: that. Yeah, definitely. He is. Sam Darnold's not coolest. He knows the deal, what's going on. He understands what the year was last year. So, certainly. And, and to your point, you know, out into the quarterback room, whether that's the Baker Mayfield trade or, again, we're, we're talking, there, there, there's a good chance that, you know, you, you can make a move in the second round. I know Carolina's got no pick at the top of the second. The Jets got it. But if you had to get up there and want to do something there, third round, I think there's going to be available quarterbacks, Really, what I look at it, Mike, is I think whatever of the big three quarterbacks doesn't get drafted, they'll that person will get drafted early in the second round, and I don't think we'll see a quarterback drafted for about a round and a half. That's really kind of how I see it playing out. But, yes, we're going to play the, the quarterback game. How, you know, with Carolina, uh, I understand them steering the message that way or making teams believe you said all the right things, and we've seen, we've seen years where – you know, I, I would say quarterbacks that are less talented get drafted that high. But I just, with Carolina's, their specific thing, and this is where I really just, I, I, I don't think there'll be a top 10 quarterback in my heart of hearts. I really don't. One, through my own evaluation, and then two, just from things I hear around the league. But I think the thing that, I, you know, with Carolina, we've talked about it a lot. They're on the hot seat. They can't be breaking in a rookie quarterback. Even if it's Kenny Pickett who's ready to go and, like, the most polished NFL-ready guy day one, you know, I don't think he's a top-10 pick, nor do I think any team will take him in the top-10 because there's just not that type of talent there to justify it. It's all the other things. He's good. He can be a starter. But I don't think anybody's ever going to look at him and go, ooh, I think he could be a superstar or a star. So I don't think that happens. Willis, the other guy we talk about, maybe at 6, maybe at 8 to the Atlanta Falcons, he's got the talent. And it's like vice versa of of Pickett. It's really raw. He doesn't play in the pocket real well. Like we've talked about, Mike, he doesn't go through the reads. Sometimes he doesn't see the first read. And that to me is like where one where I go, you know, I love his eye and talent, but... You know, how, to, to me, that's one where it's just, I, I, I don't know. I couldn't take Malik Willis in the top 10 either. I couldn't. Because here's another thing that jumps out to me with Malik Willis. Hey, we're going to take this quarterback in the top 10. All right, cool. Now you're going to show the film to the owner and go, well, well, show me a game of him, what he's really all about. And that's the thing I always come to with Malik Willis. like there's, there's really not a game you can turn on and go, here's what we got you got plays, smattering of plays in moments, Mike, if that makes sense. I don't mean to talk so long. I just got on this quarterback tangent and tried to give a little knowledge out there. It's just interesting to me. The other thing we need to keep in
1: mind, too, the, the teams that do it right, the teams that go about it the smartest possible way, yeah. make sure no one knows what they really think. And I think back to Patrick Mahomes in 2017, already five years ago, the Chiefs let no one know that they were on Patrick Mahomes as heavily as they were the Saints let no one know that they were on Patrick Mahomes as heavily as they were, and it just kind of played out. Sure. And that's where the surprise comes from. And if there's somebody out there that has fallen head over heels for Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, we find out on Thursday night. Yeah, And that'll be a hell of a litmus test as to it what we get large things. Because all it takes is one team with any of these guys to fall in love. But if nobody has, that's when the slide commences. And one thing that the Panthers could do, they could – and and I'm, I'm not a firm believer in getting cute. If you really like a guy, I say get him and don't play around. Because if yeah, you play around, you end up losing the guy. If you're really committed to the guy, just go get him. The Panthers could trade down mm-hmm. and then try to take a quarterback in a later spot. Fitterer talked about that yesterday. Let's hear from him a little bit on the possibility of trading out of the number six overall pick.
2: I think there's probably a handful of teams, maybe three to four, that are really serious about it. Um, we're just keeping our, all of our options open, but um, it's definitely something that we're going to look into. But if there's a good player there at six, we're going to just stay there and pick the player. You know, we have several players on our board that get to help us get to six, and so if there's a good player, we'll stay there and pick. But uh, you know, without having a second or third round pick, we're going to keep all options open. How many players would you be happy with?
3: At that six, among the players in the top ten right
2: now. So we always talk about there's a ledge, you know, um, in the first round this year. It's right around twenty, and that ledge within the ledge really st- stops right around six. And so uh, we feel like there there's going to be a quality player there, um, but at that point we'll make the decision. If there might, there'll be a couple guys on the board that we'll just pick. We know we want to take them. We know they can. Uh, th- we know they can help us. Uh, if they're gone, then uh, we ha- we have opportunities
1: kind of hard to parse through what he's saying there i gleaned from that that he does think that after the first 20 players there's a drop off so they're not going to fall any farther than 20 he kind of spoke out of both sides of his mouth on whether or not there's an initial ledge after six i get the impression based upon what he said at the very end that there aren't six guys they really love and that if all the guys they really love are gone that's when they activate the plan to trade back. That's when they get into their second tier. So why take a second tier guy at six if we can take a second tier guy
3: at 16 or wherever they would end up being? Right. Well, that's what they got to worry about. I think the biggest thing – the number one need for their team is the tackle position. So where they could be a little screwed here at six, if they have tackle on the horizon, right, Mike – is where this is where the number one pick thing really gets a little interesting in the ripple effects here. Because if Jacksonville does end up going, let's say Evan Neal or one of those one of the tackles, him or Icky I- 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 and then let's just say Houston. Houston, there's definitely logic to them, they maybe go offensive line too. So now you get two out of the first three picks so that could happen. You know? If you look at that, and then you go, All right, the Giants at five, everybody knows they want to tackle too so you could have the top 3 tackles as far as Iquano, Neil Cross all off the board possibly at 5 and there's not a tackle worth taking there at 6. And I think that's probably what he's that's probably what he's referring to a little bit as well. So there then yeah, and then you trade down and Mike you 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 heard right? I heard the same thing. There is. There's not a lot of superstars in this draft. To me there's like eight or 10 really, really, really awesome players. And then there's these like 12 or 13 really, really, really good players. And then you get a lot of like, whoa, this guy's going to start for your team for a long time. Maybe not going to be an all pro or anything like that, but going to be a good player in the NFL for a long time. That's kind of how the draft is. But yeah, if that happens there, Carolina's going to go, damn, okay, what, what, what player here do we really need or what's the need that we can fill at six? And that'll be a big question. And I I would think that's you know certainly on their radar. And Mike, the opposite of that is the opposite of that is if if let's just say Jacksonville takes Evan Neal, and now you got okay two three four five six where you could start to see teams go wait the four best players on our board are still available here. You know, and that could add some trade action to where maybe now teams do want to get up. If one of those, I think most teams' four best players on their board are Icky, Icky and Ikwunu, Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, and um, and uh, Evan Neal. Evan Neal, excuse me. Yes, and if they're on the board, maybe around Carolina's time, and things go a little differently, they could have some teams that call up to try to trade and stuff.
1: I mean, that's the key. Yeah. They can talk about trading down all they want. you got to have a team that's willing to make the trade. Yeah, up. that's and the thing. There there are always teams ready to trade down, stockpile more picks. If the guys they really love are gone, you need to hope that there's somebody drafting later yeah. who senses an opportunity to get the guy they really want. So if the Panthers don't emerge from round one or two with a quarterback, could they trade for one of the two big names we've had our eyes on for the past several weeks, Baker Mayfield of the Browns, Jimmy Garoppolo of the 49ers, Fitter addressed that yesterday. Here's what he had to say.
2: We're going to get through the draft this weekend and see what happens. Um, you know, we do have options outside of the draft. Uh, we like guys in the draft, so we'll just see how it plays out um, and we'll make the best decision for this team uh, over the next you know couple of weeks why are some quarterbacks available that are out on the market you have to ask yourself that so um, you know obviously every time you draft a quarterback you, you know ideally you want them through the draft but uh, however we get them however, whatever it takes to get them in the door here we'll, once we get them we'll work with them and develop them and that's uh, that's just kind of the process that we'll go about
1: why are some quarterbacks available that are on the market? There are Panthers fans saying, Hey, Scott, why didn't you think of that last year before you gave up a second-round pick and a third-round pick for Sam Darnold? Come on. Come on, man. So, But that is a cautionary tale for everyone. Just because a guy's available, yeah. there is a red right. flag there. Right. Teams don't move on from quarterbacks that are going to become franchise guys and cornerstones of the team for years to come. So you do have to ask yourself, do I take someone else's reject, or do I go out and roll the dice on someone who's completely unproven? But as you've said, I think you've said this: Baker Mayfield's the best quarterback in this draft class. That if you're going to to go after a quarterback, don't draft one of these guys. Go get Baker Mayfield. Did well, you say that? Or I did, or did not somebody say, else that. say that. I did
3: not say that. Yeah, that was somebody else. Somebody else said. But I, I mean, right. I, I understand that logic there. I do. I mean, yeah, you know, the uh, all these guys. He Baker Mayfield's. You know, Arm is better than Kenny Pickett. You know, does he have maybe some of the high-end attributes that Corral and Willis have? I don't know. They have some things that, you know, their ultimate ceiling, if they could reach it, could be greater than Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. It can. But, you know, we know Baker Mayfield's got some – there's some stuff about him. Talent on the field and a little pizzazz off the field, too, that can be a good or bad thing. And you just got to measure that. So – yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But Carolina with no second third round pick, you know, if they don't take that quarterback at six, all right, so now they trade down. You know, maybe what? So they trade down to the mid teens. They gonna take a quarterback there. I don't know. I still don't really believe it. I don't. Um I, I think this is all a ruse by them. I just don't imagine them being in the, the quarterback market, you know, in the first round at least. It is very possible to talk
1: yourself into the glass being more than half full on Baker Mayfield when you consider he spent four years with one of the most dysfunctional franchises over the past 20 years in the NFL, a year with Hugh Jackson, a year with Freddie Kitchens as the head coach. Well, it was Hugh Jackson, and then it was Greg Williams after Hugh Jackson got fired, and Baker Mayfield actually played pretty well that year. Yeah, he did. Despite all the crap going on in Cleveland. Right. Then they hire the guy they never should have hired to be the head coach. He regresses. Then first year with Kevin Stefanski, he's as good as he's ever been. And then last year he gets injured week two, and it falls apart. I mean, there's enough there. If you're looking for silver lining, it's thick, it's prominent, and you can talk yourself into Baker Mayfield. You really can. If you factor in... The reality that he played for a crap organization, all due respect, too late for that, but that's the way the Browns had been. They're getting better. They are getting better. Yeah. Don't definitely don't, are. Don't go crazy. Yeah. Browns fans, they are getting better and you should be happy about that. But three, four years ago, it was as bad as it could be. And he still thrived, relatively speaking, in that environment. Yeah. So that that's... Look, I I don't know what's going to happen because it's a complicated situation for the Browns. How much are they going to pay? How much is someone else going to pay? What draft pick are you going to give up? Are you comfortable bringing this guy in on a one-year deal? Are you comfortable with his personality? Have enough time to do all the work on it? You go back and look at your reports and scouting on him from four years ago. If it was easy, he would already be traded. And I think anyone who's looking for a quarterback now wants to see what happens round 1 and or round 2
3: of the draft before calling a shot on Baker Mayfield. I I I think you're right there. I, I, let, let, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it falls. You know, maybe maybe they're one of these teams that's got, you know, a pretty high grade on a guy like Desmond Ritter or Howell from North Carolina to where they think, oh, maybe they'll be sitting there in the third round and we'll use some of our picks to get back into the third round to make a pick. I mean, they certainly can make those type of moves if that's if that's there. The Baker-Mayfield thing, Mike, I think you bring a lot of points. I think, you know, with Baker, yeah, there's some excitement about what he can do on the field. If, if I'm a, a team, there is. There's just There's just the trepidation of, wait. I mean, Cleveland seemed to want to get rid of him pretty fast. And, you know, the things we've brought up over the last few weeks, we, we've still yet to hear anybody from the Cleveland Browns football team really stick up for Baker Mayfield over the last year and a half. So that's weird. So I think those questions are out there in the NFL a little bit. Like, you know, yeah, we think he's going to be good in the locker room, but we've heard a few stories about the damn guy and we're not sure. And then Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, at you know, the big thing there is the same thing we talk about. You know, it's just it's going to be hard because they're everybody's going to go. But well, wait, I mean, okay, he's pretty good on film, okay. But they all they want to do is get rid of him for three years. So why would I want him? It's been three years of just trying to get rid of this guy, and that people question that too. And then they get in, they start digging into what's the guy like off the field and all that stuff. And then you start to hear that stuff too. And I think that. You know, can hurt both of these guys a little bit in that department.
1: And remember when the chatter first began of the Panthers making a run at Baker Mayfield, it was Panthers receiver Robbie Anderson who made it very clear on social media that he has no interest in Baker Mayfield becoming the quarterback in Carolina. So more food for thought as the brain trust there figures out what to do. And here's where it gets important. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. It's something to remember as we get close to the draft. The owners, other than Jerry Jones, who just, Went ahead and made himself the general manager when he bought the team in 1989, something no owner could pull off in today's social media-fueled environment. Owners find a way to be involved without leaving fingerprints. So they can always say, I didn't do it. It's on my football, people. Here's Scott Fitterer talking about how involved team owner David Tepper will be in making whatever decisions are made about adding or not adding a quarterback.
2: You know he's very involved with what we do we, we include him in all of our conversations but he's very respectful uh of the people that work here you know he, he respects dan and cole and coach and pat and he, he'll listen to everybody he'll listen to our coaches and um you know i i don't see him being the type to say hey listen i'm gonna we're gonna do this this is my decision that's not that's not him at all you know he is he's very supportive of us and he understands the process and we're gonna spend the next couple of days together and talk it all out and uh but I can't ever see that being the situation.
1: When are these guys ever going to realize that's not how it goes down? When are the media ever going to realize that's not how it goes down? No owner is going to go in there and pound the table and say, this is my team, this is my pick, this is my guy, this is what I want. One of the benefits of being that freaking rich and powerful is you just whisper the guy's name and everybody stops. Everybody's always looking. I mean, let's think about this. You're in a workplace that is directly owned and operated by one of the most rich and powerful people in the world, especially Tepper. Tepper's on the list of the top 10 richest sports owners on the planet. He's the only NFL owner on that list with $16.7 billion. So he shows up. What are you doing? You're tiptoeing on eggshells. You're paying attention. Anything he says, anything he likes. It's the George Steinbrenner, I want the calzone from Paisanos. I mean, you, you know that this is what the boss likes. You're paying attention to what the boss likes. Anything and everything that the boss says is a clue, and you act on it. So he doesn't have to tell you what he wants. And he wants those people who can pick up on those vibes. That's who he surrounds himself with, so he never has to say I want you to do this. I'm calling rank here. This is my team. I'm in charge. That gives him the best of both worlds. He gets what he wants, and he never has to say, go do what I want. That, that is the one dynamic in all of this. It's lost on me. that, and It makes me think, maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I, I think this is the way the well, world works. You don't have to say it when you're a billionaire. It's one of the benefits of being a billionaire, I, along
3: I, with all the money. And the boat. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think every team is like that. You know, I do think we. Of course, we have our teams that we know. The owners stay out, you know, and and all of that. But I think your point is real. We know Tepper's involved, though. But exactly. we know I know. I'm, that's exactly right. You're right. And even, even the ones that are not involved. I mean, like the Glazier family in Tampa Bay, they're not involved. And then Tom Brady gets involved, and they go, hey, we're involved now. And uh, yes, we want him, so get him here. And So to your point, they're like they're, they're, they're always hovering. But I think to your point with a guy like David Tepper, you're right. I mean, first off, if you're Scott Fitterer or Matt Rule, you're trying to always appeal or appease to that guy anyways, aren't you? Hey, here's what we're doing. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think? Think, oh, you think this? Really? Okay. All right. So the, So if we do that, oh, all right. So you still think that. Okay. And then you start to, yeah, you're going to have to, okay, wait, he kind of wants that. We need to do our homework in that area. As that's certainly something on the owner's radar that he wants us to look a little further and do, and then maybe three weeks from now, a week before the draft, we're going to have another meeting for him to show him and sell him, and he can look at it and kind of figure it out and give us one more direction he might want us to go. I think that's very real with the teams that have owners that are involved like that, and I think that's, this is one of those teams, to your point.
1: And you know what the challenge is? The challenge is to plant the seed in the owner's head and get him to come to the conclusion – that this is what I want when that's the result of something that Scott Fitterer or the head coach or whoever laid the foundation for it, planted that seed, and the owner just says, hey, this is what I want, and somebody else was responsible for helping to kind of set that table mentally for the owner to come to that conclusion there's a dance to it there's a nuance there's a subtlety you got to be smart you got to be very sensitive to what the owner is saying the example i use all the time owner walks through the front door to the facility there's a bowl of twix on the receptionist desk he takes one it's just it's the own thing a twix hey this is the best candy i've ever had in my life if, if the owner says that the owner never has to say go buy more of this candy if the owner has that exactly. that bite and loves it, anybody who wants to remain gainfully employed there is going to make sure that everywhere he goes, there's going to be Twix falling out of the, the cabinets and drawers and everywhere. You know, the, the boss likes it. We know what the boss likes. And we know like the way Twix we stay too. employed is to give Man. give the boss Twix is, is the only good. candy with the cookie crunch, Man. by the way. <laughs> uh, that's what Pete was, Pete was starting to say it to me <laughs> before I could him. actually say it. The only candy with the cookie crunch. All right. Uh... So, whatever the Panthers do, David Tepper will have his fingerprints all over it, no matter how much he tries to wipe down any and all implements he may have touched. Let's stay in that division with the Atlanta Falcons. Team drafting at number eight. I wonder why Carolina would
3: be selling the quarterback thing at six with Atlanta two
1: picks behind them, huh? (laughs) Marcus Mariota is their quarterback for now. Terry Fontenot, GM of the team on whether he'll be disappointed if the Falcons don't emerge from the draft with a quarterback here he is from yesterday.
2: No, we could, we could draft a quarterback in any of the rounds, um, or there's multiple
1: ways to acquire a quarterback. We want to add to our room, and we will. But So
2: it could be in the draft. It could be after the draft. It could be via trade. We're not going to limit ourselves to any possibility. We're going to turn over every stone. So whether it's in the draft or not, uh, we'll add to that room.
1: I will agree with him on one thing. There are multiple ways to find a quarterback, including just sitting around waiting for some other team to alienate a 14-year starter who had no reason to leave, who just because you flirted with some other guy now wants out, and he falls into your lap for a third-round pick. That's a way to find a quarterback. The only problem is the Falcons were on the wrong end of the Matt Ryan transaction, and the Colts were the ones that had this guy drop out of the sky when they're sitting around saying, what the hell are we going to do for a quarterback? That's kind of where the Falcons are right now. Marcus Mariota is not the answer, short-term or long-term. It I mean, it is amazing to me that Arthur Smith, whose career took off when he benched Marcus Mariota, now has Marcus Mariota as his number one quarterback on the depth chart. That won't last. The question is, where do they get a quarterback? And this yeah. is another one where the owner is going to make sure that the people who work for him know what he wants, and it's easier for him to do that because he's got Rich McKay to be the buffer. All Arthur Blank has to do is let Rich McKay know and then Rich McKay lets Terry Fontenot know and message communicated very cleanly with with enough of a gap between Blank and the GM that Blank can say, I didn't, I they, my football people are making their decisions. I'm not involved in any of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, no question. I mean, that, that is the great thing about having McKay there. Uh, Atlanta's they're they're in a pretty spot at, for the quarterback conversation for sure now again I, I, like you heard me say I don't buy quarterback at eight I don't buy it I, I really don't you know for a team like them that's got so many needs uh, I just wouldn't think they're looking at it at eight maybe they're a team that wants to trade down I wouldn't be shocked maybe they want to do it then okay You know, they also are sitting pretty with the fact of where they are in the second round that they, they are a team that if someone's left over from round one, I would expect them to make a move early in day two and round two to get up at the top of the second round to get a quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked to see that or even get up at the end of first round. If there's really a guy there, they like, but I I just, I come to the same thing with Atlanta. I hear the rumors of Malik Willis and I understand that, but for a team that's got so many holes to fill on their football team right now, I just don't see the quarterback thing happening for them at eight. I think they got to get something like very tangible that's going to help their team to build on right now, right this second. And a guy like Malik Willis is to me, it's 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 you know it's a year, two years down the road before he's going to be really ready to go that way. And uh, so I, I think they're another team that's going to kind of talk about this, hoping somebody comes up. But I think when all said and done, they will not go quarterback at number eight. Here's the thing to remember. Yeah.
1: More than anything else. It's a business aimed at getting people to yeah, show know. up mm-hmm. and shell out. Yeah. And when you see pictures of the Mercedes-Benz stadium in Atlanta, not to be confused with what once was the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. But the, the name is now on the place in Atlanta, and there are plenty of empty seats. People aren't driving their Mercedes-Benz vehicles to that stadium. What puts people in the seats? A sure. winning team, yes, yes. But absent a winning team, you need star players. You need players that the fans want to come out and see. I think that's why they got into the Deshaun Watson conversation. And I know Blank tried to kind of clumsily suggest that they really weren't all that interested. Yeah, I didn't they get that. Sure, Jan. No, they they did. They did. They They just didn't want to have any of the blowback that the Browns were getting for doing the deal. But you want someone who is going to get your fans excited enough to show up, to spend the money, to be there, to watch the games. That's what it's about. It doesn't matter if you contend or win championships or whatever. I mean, it's nice if you do that. But fundamentally, you want people to be there. So you need players that will draw people there. And I love Marcus Mariota. He's not going to draw people. To that venue that's why I think Arthur Blank is going to be nudging asking pushing questioning quarterback 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 we need a new face of the franchise sure. we had Matt Ryan from 2008 through 2021 and now he's gone I still don't know how in the hell that happened I say that as myself and as play acting Arthur Blank I don't know how the hell that happened he was here and now he's gone what happened and we need somebody else to be the face of the franchise. And I remember hearing back in 2008 that Blank was pushing quarterback with number three, that there were some people in the organization that wanted Glenn Dorsey. Now, I've, I've had pushback on that as well. But I've been hearing it for so long. It's one of those things where you're here for so long, you start to believe it. That they were looking Glenn Dorsey, the defensive tackle, very seriously at number three. And it was Blank that pushed them toward Ryan. Right. Because I mean, people didn't know what Ryan was going to be. If, if Ryan was going to be great, Bill Parcells would have taken him at number one that year instead of Jake Long. Period would have solved the Dan Marino problem in Miami in one fell swoop if they had done that. So it's not like we knew Matt Ryan was going to be a great quarterback. But I I think that that Arthur Blank can retreat to that experience. We didn't know. He He could say to Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, If it comes down to it, order Rich McKay, you know, they were telling me back then, we don't really know that Matt Ryan's going to be great. Well, you're telling me you don't know Malik Willis is going to be, well, there's only one way to find out. If it doesn't work out, we'll be drafting a quarterback again in a couple of years, but I need somebody to put asses in the seats and a quarterback is going to be
3: more likely to do it than anybody else. I I hear you there. I hear you. There's a big difference though, between Malik Willis and Matt Ryan coming out in the draft. Matt Ryan was like the Kenny Pickett guy where you're like, he's ready right now, except he's got even way more talent than Kenny Pickett. So you you there was something a little this one's a little bit more of a risk and I don't disagree with your points there I don't but all I'm saying is you got to be smart you don't want to overreach you got to be tactical about this here and they're a team to me that I, I'm still sit here and look at Atlanta and go how the hell did they win as many games as they did last year with that football team? <laughs> it really is kind of amazing as I've gone through the draft process and you look at their team and what they need. I mean, you go through every position and you go, they need, they need, they need. It's amazing what they did. So that's where I just, I, I, I hear everything you're saying. I'm scared of death to, to a degree of what I'm saying. Cause I know, like I said yesterday, there's been quarterbacks less talented than Malik Willis to get drafted in front of him for sure. Uh, but I it's just like Carolina. I don't know. I just, I don't buy it. I think it's a smoke screen. I think they'd love to trade down and create that. And, you know, I do think that, you know, some of these guys might be one or at least one of these guys could be very much available at the end of the first round, or at least available early in the second round on day two.
1: Yeah. The Falcons in 2021, when they won, they won barely. When they lost, they got the S H T kicked out of them. It wasn't even close. Yeah, it's amazing. Really. When you look at their point differential for the year, it's huge huge difference because of all the games they lost they lost convincingly all right so how convincing are these general managers if they really are interested in a quarterback or not what kind of a smokescreen are they running if you really are interested in a quarterback you don't talk about it that brings me to lovey smith the coach of the team that owns pick number three and number 13 he talked yesterday about the possibility of the texans drafting a quarterback who would ostensibly supplant davis mills here's lovey smith
2: you know, as a general rule, I guess you can have four. Uh, some teams have four. I think once you, get, you have three quarterbacks on your roster, you should feel uh, pretty good about that, and we do. Um, we keep all options open, but uh, we feel good about our quarterback room right now. Leading off with Davis Mills. I've talked about him and my feeling, our feeling about who our leader would be.
1: You know what? I hate to say this. When I listen to that and the way he explains it, if we have 3, you know, that's good enough. It's it matters who they are, not how many you have. Anybody can have 3 quarterbacks. Hey, we've got 3. Do you want another one? No, we got 3. We don't need 4. We're fine with 3. Well, who are they? Doesn't matter. We have 3. We don't need 4. We're fine with 3. I kind of I kind of I kind of put them in the It won't surprise me if they snag somebody at 13 who plays quarterback. That this is the way to do it. This is the way to conceal your intention so somebody doesn't jump in front of you at number 12 the way the Bears did last year when they went from 20 to 12 to get uh, Justin Fields. You don't want that to happen. So you act like you're not interested. I, I just, that clip, that's the first time I saw that whole clip start to finish. My response is, I think maybe they're thinking about a quarterback, and they told Lovey Smith don't talk about us possibly drafting
3: a quarterback. Sell the idea that we're not doing it. I I don't put anything past these guys. I don't. I I don't. I don't think that's going to happen at three. I I expect that it's... Not three. Yeah, I got you. Thirteen is... You're you're sitting in a sweet spot, really. I think in a lot of ways, especially if, you know, again, six and eight, there's no quarterback there. Thirteen's going to be a spot where teams that maybe do like one of those guys might start to get antsy and go, if you're Pittsburgh, you might start to go, wait, is New Orleans going to take a quarterback with one of those two picks? Maybe we need to get up there. They, they are sitting in that spot. I I like. I look at Davis Mills, I personally am not sold. I will say that. I just look at it and go, hey, there's things I like. He really is well-schooled, knows how to play the position. I'm not sure I'm sold on the talent enough to say, oh, he's a starting NFL quarterback for years to come. I'd like to see a little bit more. You know, like I said, I know he knows how to play the position. He's got a good size. He's a pretty good athlete. His arm is good. It's not great. It's just barely above NFL average arm strength, but he still can make all the throws and he passes the ball nice. Like you see here, it's smooth. It's never wowing. I, I just get the sense from people I talk to down there in the offseason season. That they really like this kid. Like, I got the sense that they feel like they might have stumbled on to like, you know, their version of Tom Brady to a degree. That's just my gut feel. Again, Mike, I'm doing a lot of, you know, steak and potatoes here today to, to challenge your pasta and meatballs. But I, that's just the sense I got. And I think they're another team I look at to go, I don't think they will. They might want to flirt with this or put it out there, but I think they're going to stand strong with Davis Mills. But again, this gets back to what we started this segment with. If these things are mandatory and
1: you have to show up and speak, and again, if they're not mandatory, why are you doing it? Because it's an outdated mindset. Well, we got We got to promote the league. It's, it's old school the media leagues. Crap, The league's doing right, fine. Right. The league's doing fine. The, le- the the reporters do not need access to the coach and or the GM in the days before the draft to have things to write and talk about, especially if there's a good chance that they're being fed a heaping helping of BS. But, but I look at it this way. If what you're saying is 100% accurate, and it very well may be, It very well may be. I'm not doubting it. My point is this. It's your incentive, if you love Davis Mills and you want to build around Davis Mills, to create some seed of doubt. Yeah, yeah. That will get someone to jump you and take a quarterback if you don't want one. If we're going to force these guys to speak, and we know that it's a very competitive environment where everything you say can and will be used against you, and you are thinking about a quarterback, you're going to say exactly what you said yesterday. Why do we want a quarterback? We have three. I mean, think about how ridiculous that is on the surface. The mo- and and I don't know if I would have picked it up from reading the transcript. You need to see the delivery to say, wait a minute. What? It doesn't matter how many you have. It means nothing. We have three. Do you want a quarterback? No, we've got three. I, I so I, I just i and and look, Nick Casario and company, they fall into that Belichick ultra secrecy mindset and. If they really love one of these guys, they're not going to tell us. It's just going to play out this way. I I have flagged the Texans now as possibly thinking about one of these guys. I could see Kenny Pickett going to the Texans at 13, and I could see the Texans very concerned that if they say anything to – to suggest to anyone that they're interested in a quarterback, the Steelers jump up the number 12 sure, or higher sure. to make sure they get the guy they want. That, that's
3: a very real dynamic to this process that we need to be sensitive to. I, 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 I know a hundred percent. I don't disagree with it all at all. I just, it, it's a weird year and just between, you know, my own assessments and just things I've heard from people leading up to the draft and all that. I just don't get the sense that we'll see one of these guys go in the top 13. I don't. You know, I I could be wrong and maybe people get nervous here, but I think that's one of the awesome things of the draft certainly is the fact of just exactly how this quarterback thing is going to play out. Yeah, we got we, we might I think it's very realistic to think that like maybe only one guy that touches the ball goes in the top 10. I think that's probably going to be James w- w- Williamson. Jameson Williams. I mean, does anybody else jump up in there with her? I don't know. Uh, But the quarterback thing is certainly hard to figure out. It's hard to pin teams to it. And I think there's a lot of teams in football that are a little like, I don't know where they're going to fall. I'm not sure what team is really going to make the move. Uh, and that's where I find it really intriguing because that's unusual, like you said, to start the show. Usually we know the teams that are going to be players or quarterbacks. Well, oh, it's just we don't know which quarterback they like, but they're going to do it. And Bella, this year it's weird. It's just like, oh, we're not sure if they're players or not. They might stand pat. They might make a move. They might wait a little bit in the second round. And uh, that that's different for what we've seen in past drafts. It's going to make the second
1: night not as fascinating as the first night, but more fascinating than usual, because once the dust settles on who goes in the first 32, then the table gets set for even more uncertainty in the next 32 that unfold on Friday evening. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, some sound from the general managers of teams in the NFC North, including the New Bears GM, refusing to word to you, uh, easy for him to say, refusing to use a word that he calls super sensitive when assessing his team. We'll discuss that when PF2Live continues right after this.
0: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. You mentioned before first round evaluations. So how many first round evaluations do you have this year?
2: Um, I won't give you the exact number. Um, he's looking for the headline. It's guy. not. Yeah, he's looking for.
0: not thirty-three. Okay,
2: He wants one of us to say something he can put on PFT. One of the, you know, Michael Ross But they're gonna give you the, you know. <laughs>
1: Yes! Who the hell's Michael Rothstein? He doesn't work for us. He don't work here no more. Maybe you haven't heard. I don't shine shoes no more. Um, maybe think of Michael David Smith. I don't I know. Think but regardless. Like right. Yes! we have no. There is no Michael Rothstein here, Terry, but you got PFT right. Thank you for that. Well, uh, we're always looking for a headline. I, yeah. and, and here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, folks. If you're watching the show, you know this, but I feel compelled to say it anyway. In the event that you're just happening to flip through the options in Peacock or looking for a new podcast or you're watching on Sky, or wherever you may be, and you're like, what's this all about? What do these guys really know? I'm telling you, the people in the business, 99.99999% of them load up PFT, pay attention to everything we post. They like it when we criticize other teams, and they hate it when we criticize them, and they're always looking to see what we're saying about them
3: or others in the league. Always. I would agree. Your your website that you have created is by far the number one go-to spot for people in the NFL. A hundred percent. To the point sometimes where you write articles and people go, why are you guys, I get texts, why are you guys writing this I about did. me? And I go, I don't Good. write. I don't know. <laughs> Have you not seen? I can barely speak English. I can't English. write. I can't write. I can barely speak English. <laughs> so I'm not doing that. That's Mike Florio. Please attend, you know, put your hate there. Uh but I it's amazing but yes it it's clearly is, Mike and you know it's it's uh amazing what you've built but also with that like what Fontenot was talking there that's kind of become a thing around I feel like media circles here and just the NFL the last few days where I think Brett Veach said something right where I uh, hey it's what we've talked about with this draft there's not like your tremendous superstars you got your high end guys but maybe not the total overall talent you have in the first round as usual but what's different this year is you have two rounds of second-round talent, and that's where you know, you talked about a few minutes ago about the second round could be crazy too, and it can be. It might not be the biggest high-end players, but it's a lot of good guys, and it's a lot of guys where that's going to be interesting too. But it, it's a weird year in the fact that, yeah, you're seeing some teams say we don't really think there's 32 legitimate first-round grade players on our board. You don't hear that too often.
1: And by the way, Pete tells me Michael Rothstein was the person who asked the question and so the point was there'd be the PFT headline with the credit. Yeah, I thought that's Michael what he really meant. Got which, you, got you. Which it's it's funny too. Let me just say this before I move on. There are people out there who like still do the whole, "Oh, you you aggregate. That's that's unsavory. You aggregate – These reporters all want us to use their stories because they know everybody's reading it. It's a showcase. It's a platform for their work. I get hostile emails from people who think I don't mention them by name enough. I agree. I would say that, too. Pro pro, pro tip, that's not quite the way to deal with me. For anybody who's thinking about sending me hostile emails, if they think I'm not using their work enough, that's not going to get me – to showcase their work even more. That's for damn sure. But that's what they all want. They all want that. There's that 1% of reporter who has no clue how the business side of this works, who get all indignant. How dare you mention my report? Okay, fine. Go ahead and let no one know about it. Go go, go ahead and, and do that, where you're behind a paywall and nobody knows about it. Go ahead. See how that works for you when the next round of layoffs happens. All right, let's move on. Uh, Brian Gudekunst, the... Packers general manager on the very important topic of whether and to what extent Aaron Rodgers will be involved in the selection and development of the all-important receiver position let's hear from Gutekunst from yesterday's pre-draft press conference
2: given the dynamic at receiver in the fact there isn't a clear leader an established guy in that room that's that's done it in this offense um do, do you need Aaron to be more involved that he's yeah. been in the offseason program. Yeah, you know, playoffs. I would push back a little bit. I mean, obviously, Randall's been very established in this offense, and he's you know been around with Aaron for a long time. Um, you know, certainly, Allen's been here for a few years now too. So, um, we've got some guys that are established. And Sammy's had obviously not; he hasn't been here, but um, he's been in the league for a long time. Um, but Aaron's going to be heavily involved in the development of not only players that are in our building right now, but certainly whoever we bring in.
1: The real question, and look. If you listen carefully to what was said, the off-season program, that's when the development's going to happen. But Aaron Rodgers reportedly isn't going to be there for the off-season program. Mm -hmm. It's weird. So I I still think there's this awkwardness between Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst, even though they've smoothed or soothed things over contractually – there's still something there, and they need Aaron Rodgers to be involved in the development, especially if they go out and try to draft the number one receiver. I mean, come on. Randall Cobb is not the answer. Alan Lazard is good, but he's not great, and he's still not under contract. He still hasn't signed his, his RFA tender. So um, I, I've said this before, and this is the only way to do it if you're the Packers. You have to involve Aaron Rodgers in the selection of whoever it is you're going to take because that gives him ownership, that gives him incentive, that gives him reason to take that guy under his wings. Because we listen to you, Aaron. This was your guy that you recommended. They got to hope that they like the guy that he recommended. But you want that element of it. You need that element of it. So Aaron Rodgers has every incentive to help that guy develop. And he's not out there at training camp looking around saying, why the hell did they draft this guy?
3: Yeah, no, I I think you're right about that. I don't think they're going to get him involved in that. I think that's why I was heavily involved in the development of the player, not the assessment of, or the evaluation of the football player. Uh, but I go back to, like, what you said to start a little and just go, uh, it is odd to me that, you know, we hear that he's not going to be around for the off offseason, no TAs or, or anything of that nature. It, it is. After, you know, all the – you know, issues we've had the last few years. We finally get it soothed over, smoothed over, whatever, with the new contract, and now Devontae Adams is gone. You know, there's always this talk about, hey, everybody being on the same page, communication with our offense. I don't don't understand that either. Now, I know he can have them out to California, and I'm sure they'll have their moments of throwing and all that, but, man, I just know if I was Aaron Rodgers and we had two, let's say two rookie wide receivers – I'd want to be there at the first OTA. I want to be like the first one in their ear a little bit to go, hey, I want the route like this, and hey, think about this, and I'd want to start, you know, grooming my new pet, uh, you know, as far as my new receiver, my new go-to guy. Uh, I, I think it'd be easier doing it that way is what I'm saying. Then not being there for OTAs, you're getting taught by everybody and Jordan love and all of that. And then all of a sudden what training camp comes around and it's like, Oh crap, Oh crap. Aaron Rodgers is here. And now he's a little more urgent because it's training camp instead of the OTAs and right. Hey, do this. And I, I just, I wouldn't want to deal with that. I guess if I was in Aaron Rodgers' shoes, the urgency is now Yeah, the
1: moment that Devonte yeah. Adams leaves, it is red alert for the green Bay Packers. We have Aaron Rodgers back for at least this year and maybe another year and maybe another year after that, the way the contract structured, he can walk away whenever he wants. But he's back for this year, and the best player on the team not named Aaron Rodgers is gone, and he plays receiver. And what do we have? Oh, wait, now Marquez Valdez-Scantling's gone. Holy crap. Red alert, red alert, all hands on deck. Let's get to work on getting the best and most we can out of the guys we have. So I would want Aaron Rodgers there. So I just still wonder... What's really going on between him and the front office? And remember, remember, one of his big complaints about the front office was their attitude toward him. You just work here. So they're in the process of scouting receivers. And we've said this from the moment Devontae Adams was traded. You better involve Aaron Rodgers. You're playing right into his hands as it relates to his gripes about the way you treat him. You have a guy who has 15 years of NFL experience as a starter who can tell you what you should be looking for in a receiver what traits he wants, what does he value, what's important to him. You know, there's a way to pick his brain without giving him full and complete discretion to draft the guy. You're not abdicating your responsibilities, as the GM. If you sit down and watch tape with Aaron Rodgers and say – here's what we see in this guy. Tell us if you see anything differently. Well, what are you looking for when a guy comes out of his break? What are you looking for when a guy runs this kind of route? What are you looking for here? What are you looking for there? What do you see here? There's a way to do it. I feel like they just don't want to be bothered. Like, we know what we're doing. You don't. Leave us alone. We don't have time for you. And I only say that because we know that he's pissed off that they've treated him that way in the past. I know. And I wonder if they're treating him that way now as it relates to this pretty important decision of who
3: they're going to bring in from the rookie class to play receiver for 2022 and beyond? I I, I hear you. I got all the same questions too. I question that, like yeah, or do I also question. Well, maybe they're also just saying, well, wait, he's not going to be here in the offseason and come up here and look at film and do all this. Like, okay, the hell with it. We got to do it ourselves. I don't I don't know. You're right. You know, I don't know where the blame goes here or what's the miscommunication or. I, you know, there's still a part of me that wants to even think, like, is Rodgers mad that Green Bay let Adams out the door? I, I have a lot of thoughts about Green Bay still that I haven't had Oh, answered. but he knew. He
1: knew. And All they right. offered him more money. Look, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am upset that they let it come to the point where he had a chance and an opportunity to walk out the door. It never should have come to that. They should have signed him to that contract last season. Before it ended, they signed him right after the season ended when his last contract expired. The longer you let it go, the greater the chance the guy's going to leave. And that's what he should be upset about. Not how it all ended, but how it got to the point where it was able to end. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think, no, you're right. I think I he's just a, he should be upset about that because they blew it. They could have gotten Devontae Adams re-signed. And they
3: blew it, especially if they were going to pay him what they claim now they were willing to pay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I can understand him being bitter or angry about that a little bit. I, no, no question. Um, but, but again, I don't know who's the fault there. You know, maybe some of that fault goes on him, too. And the fact that I don't know, his lines of communications with Devontae Adams weren't good enough either to know that that was coming down the road or down the pipeline. Uh, or Adams is sick of dealing with the what the hell is Aaron Rodgers going to do next year exactly I mean uh, there's so many things there And, and you're right it just we know it's been smoothed over to a degree but it just doesn't seem all roses and flowers up there in Green Bay I don't know what it is it just doesn't seem quite right and we're going to see it's going to be a huge draft nobody's going to have more of a microscope on them in the 20s tomorrow than the Green Bay Packers I mean they will be dissected more than any team I think in the second half of the first round because of this huge glaring need and what are they going to do with these two picks remember my take when he decided he was going to stay I think he
1: climbed the ladder walked out to the edge of the board and decided I'm not jumping today. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's not going to jump next year. I just think he looked around and realized where is the grass greener or where do I have a better chance this year than where I currently am. And I think he decided my best chance this year is where I currently am. He may feel differently about that next year. I think that it's a year-to-year proposition There's going to be part of the cycle in the offseason. It's going to be a constant question. He's made it that way, just like Favre made retirement a constant question. Whether or not Aaron Rodgers looks to move on to play for someone else is not going to go away. The Bears... Some of their fans wish they would go away and come back with a better team. Ryan Poles, the new GM, when you consider all the tearing down that the Bears are doing, it's easy to come to the conclusion they're rebuilding. Here's Poles on whether or not he agrees with the assessment that the Bears are indeed rebuilding.
2: Um, are you rebuilding or, or is there a different word you use?
1: Well, yeah, no, the rebuilding is like super sensitive. No, we're we're, we're constructing a very good football team. Uh, regardless of how you use whatever
2: term that is we just continue to add talent and young talent older talent whatever it takes to make the best team
1: possible you know actually you know late night with the wife you are watching tv you get like the uh, home network where you know there's some rooms that are good you might have to redo some countertops over here some fresh paint over there some rooms are good you don't need to touch them so that's kind of the thought process
0: there.
1: That's not a rebuild either. <laughs> it's
0: a
2: fixer
3: upper
1: room. Yeah. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad he's not the only one that gets stuck watching those shows about th- this house. Ha- They've got all these shows about this house there and this house there and fix up this house. And I won the lottery, go so find me a house. And the problem is like I, it's like, I really don't want to watch this. And I sit down in five minutes, I'm fully engrossed. So uh, Anyway. Uh, I digress. The Bears are rebuilding. Now, <laughs> yes, rebuilding yes. implies there's something that you had that you're trying to build back to. Maybe that's the right answer. How can we be rebuilding? What if we had that we would aspire to be again? Although they did have two playoff appearances under Matt Nagy and company. I just feel like the Bears are constantly trying to be something that they're incapable of willing themselves to be. And it's always something that they're t- it's like trying to it's like trying to manipulate a handful of jello. Like They can never fully hold on to it, and it's slipping through their fingers the harder they try to grip it, and they can't get themselves to be what they want to be. And this year, there's a great opportunity to turn it around quickly if they can put some talent around Justin Fields. The Vikings are rebuilding. The Lions are building, trying to build. The, The NFC is wide open for playoff spots. The Bears could turn this thing around fast, and I like the attitude, but the reality is when you look at where the bears were and what they've done this offseason by shedding talent they are re something i don't know what comes after the re but they're definitely re
3: something uh, i mean 100% I, I don't i don't understand you know it just it's one of those words right now in the nfl that nobody wants to use like it's like it shows weakness you're not a man you know what it shows you know what it shows, right. you know
1: what it shows? It shows that we don't think we can win the Super Bowl this year because every team at some level wants to send that message that this year can be our year. Because look at how fast the Bengals turned it around. So we're not rebuilding; we're ready. They, that's why I think they don't want to use that word. Maybe you're right because they want the fans to think that this year is a year that can result in a special season.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, Bears fans are pretty knowledgeable, though. I mean, we we experienced that the, the opener, you know, a few years ago when they were questioning Mitchell Trubisky. They're no idiots. Bears fans knows what, know, know what's going on. Like, they know what's going on. You said it right. I mean, come on. Khalil Mack, gone. Akeem Hicks, gone. Oh, two best players on the defensive side of the ball. Gone? Oh, yeah, we're, 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 we're retooling for the Super Bowl run. Allen Robinson, best receiver on the team. Gone. We're retooling. Yeah, they're rebuilding. They, they have to. They're playing a different style of football completely. They're getting away from 3-4 principles on defense. They're going to be more on the 4-3 side of things. They're going to change the way they play offense a little bit. You're going to see a Green Bay-ish type offense, probably with Justin Fields' movement stuff, a part of the the mixture there on that side of the ball. And they got some major holes to fill all over the roster now with, what, like you said, what they've done this offseason and the new regime they have there. So I don't expect a whole lot from them this year. I look at this as a year where, yeah, they're trying to get things in order, They need to get their quarterback a little bit more talent at receiver. I think some help there. But, yeah, I look at this as a total rebuild. Let's get things in order to to make a run, you know, the next few years after this. There's another word that starts with R-E that ends up, being relevant
1: if they don't get enough help around Justin Fields and he struggles the season becomes a referendum on whether or not he's the guy and I had a conversation to that effect on the score in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and a lot of Bears fans lost their minds but I think it's a very simple logic if the guy has no help and he stinks there's gonna be a lot of Bears fans that don't say well he didn't have the help they're just gonna say he stinks if he was good, he wouldn't need the help. If he was good, we wouldn't need to have all this. He's not good. Well, no, he's not good because he doesn't have any help. You know, if you're running off all your good players and you don't bring in guys who can help him be great and then he's not great, you got to be understanding that it's going to take some time. But this is year two for Justin Fields. And I think the problem is if you don't do what you need to do to boost him and he doesn't have a great year. That's when the questions start to emerge, and that puts even more pressure on him next year. So I think that the fact that that you know they have this great young quarterback, and now's the time to go swing the bat and spend the money. And you know he's under. We talk about this all the time. He's under his rookie contract. Go spend. Go do some things. Have some guys who have big cap numbers. Keep Allen Robinson if you have to. Find a way to work it out. Have some continuity and some consistency to give this guy something to build on. He's got new everything, new coaching staff, new players. What do we expect from Justin Fields this year? But the problem is, if he struggles, people are going to blame it on him, and it'll be wrong when it happens. But it's inevitable that it will.
3: Yeah, well, and 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 I agree in a lot of ways. He's the best asset uh, they have on their football team right now. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's the best asset they have. He's the most tangible thing they have to go. Wait, this we, we're we we're good here. So let's just make this a little bit better and like sell everybody on him. You're right to not create that headache. I I, I agree. I I think they are playing with fire a little bit with the lack of weapons or options they have around him. Uh, It's important for a young quarterback. You know, again, a lot of the young, great quarterbacks we've ever seen really pop into the league. They got thrown into something you have brought up a few times this off season situations where it was great. Dan Marino said, Hud, whoa, it's Duper and Clayton. This is awesome. Patrick Mahomes said, Hud, oh my gosh, it's Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. I just got to come in the NFL with awesome players. I know these guys are awesome, too, but they got launched into awesomeness, okay, because of the talent they had around, and then nobody questioned them ever again. Nobody questions. Like even Mahomes, who had your, you know, didn't play well early this year. We were just, oh, who cares? He'll get it right. It doesn't matter. He'll get it right, blah, blah, blah. We've seen it. We know it. You know, so you, uh, you, you silence all the BS when you just do that for your quarterback a little bit. And, yeah, we see some teams every now and then where I want to go, what, what are we doing here? Didn't we just make the same mistake with Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago and we got no talent around him? And then it was, oh, it's him. Get him out of here. Let's not do that again here with Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, no talent and coaching that didn't fit his strengths. Exactly. And he was the one to blame. Right. And that's where, look, I. this was my concern last year. When you authorize a trade up in what ultimately becomes the final year for GM Ryan Pace and head coach Matt Nagy, you put yourself in a position where you quite possibly get a new regime that doesn't believe in the quarterback that they traded up to draft. They want their own guy. They don't really believe in Justin Fields. We don't know the answer to that question, but I know this. They probably didn't say that if they believed that during their job interview. Mm -hmm. They said all the right things. That's how you get the job. Yeah, we got a plan for Justin Fields. Yeah, he's our guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you get there, and it's like, well. Or or it's surround him with nothing, and when he struggles, well, you know what? Maybe Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were wrong. Maybe that's another reason why they're not here. You know, you fired them, so you don't believe in them. Why would you believe in the guy they traded up to get? They, that's another example of why they didn't know what they were doing. There's all sorts of ways that can there be manipulated is, by a coach right. and a GM who want their guy. Yeah. And, th- and th- think about that. Think about that. I know. It plays this you've year. You've been given the keys to the car. You're the new sheriffs in town. And you're going to take the guy that the last regime believed in? You want to prove that you can find your own guy. That's just human nature. And again, they may love Justin Fields. My point is, they're not putting him in a position to thrive this year. Now, And we'll see what the offense does. We'll see how it's constructed. We'll see if it's a good fit for him. But he needs some help around him. It can't just be a one man band. Uh by the way, I'm not letting you get away with awesome were doing it for effect. Yeah. I know you were doing it for effect. I was, yes.
3: But it's still it's still I know still a
1: Sims <laughs> okay. That's, that's, I,
3: I expected it to come up tomorrow at some point, but that wasn't intentional. I'm glad you at least saw that. Yes, it was for effect. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but
1: it's not. It's too late. It's too late to uh to, to have that caveat to the Sims I know playbook. yeah bring it sure on we'll hear bring it on EJ's voice tomorrow Sim, Simsism, Simsism. <laughs> all <soberness. laughs> all right uh, let's take a break uh 35 hours and 48 minutes until the draft 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 draft, draft 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 Florio's Do we talk draft we finally know who the number one pick is we're gonna talk number one pick odds when PFT live continues right after this
3: Florio and the draft they love each other